I keep seeing people claiming a disproportionate response to the pandemic hoax. I want to talk about that in this pay-per-view segment and why it really does matter that people understand the hoax is on such a colossal scale that it includes the fact that there is no virus. And I have detailed my reasons for saying that since April 2020 in these pay-per-view episodes and in the pay-per-view book, pay-per-view in print, available now at the pay-per-view website, pay-per-view.uk, in which over nearly 30 pages I examine every element of the pandemic hoax and the book ships with a free monograph I wrote called Virology, a Reappraisal, exploring in fine detail why after having looked at nearly 40 scientific papers so far, including all the main ones, with information gathered from medical professionals and from my own verification and research, the science behind modern virology, including COVID-19, is fundamentally flawed. There is a digital version of the monograph on the pay-per-view website in the news section, in which I include at the end of the monograph the links to every one of the scientific papers I've examined so people can verify for themselves what I'm claiming about the methodology these papers describe. There is, in both the paper and the digital versions, a list of references as well, although they are far from an exhaustive list. So I'm going to start with this article on inews.co.uk. This is the inews. um, The i is a newspaper, a morning newspaper. Government making a grave mistake not appreciating scale of financial impact COVID-19 has on women. Now, I'm not featuring this article to talk about women specifically. I was looking for an article about the disproportionate response, and it was not easy, I can tell you. This is the one I found, so I'm featuring this one. It happens to be about women, and I'm aware that there's a lot going on at the moment in regards to women and the relationship between women and men, and I'm aware of that, but it's the disproportionate response part that I wanted to focus on in this segment. The government has been accused of making a grave mistake in the failure to appreciate the scale of the disproportionate economic effect the coronavirus crisis is having on women. The government response is having on women, you mean. As a new report highlighted how women are losing out on the financial support measures launched by the government during the pandemic, Caroline Noakes, Conservative MP and Chair of the Women and Equality Select Committee, said ministers were not acknowledging how widespread the issue is. The study, published on Friday, found women were losing out under the government's furlough scheme compared with men and have higher concerns about job and financial security than their male counterparts. So men do come into this discussion then. It warned the coronavirus job retention scheme is not doing enough to specifically address the economic effect the pandemic is having on women. It comes off the back of a report published by the committee which called on the government to focus its recovery strategy on supporting women into work. And recent findings from the Office for National Statistics revealed women were more likely to be furloughed, spend significantly less time working from home and spend more time on unpaid household work and childcare during the latest lockdown. As reported in I, experts have warned that the scale of women being forced to give up work in order to manage childcare during the COVID-19 pandemic could reverse decades of progress made in gender equalities. Ms Noakes told I, Unfortunately, I think the government has not appreciated the scale of the issue. The ONS backed up our inquiry findings, yet still the government is only prepared to look at things in the round. I think that is a great mistake. Miss Noakes said that the government could do more to support industries that are largely staffed by women, such as extending VAT cuts to the hair and beauty sector. 
while she acknowledged that the furlough scheme has saved jobs and therefore incomes which would otherwise have been lost. She said the government should be preparing for the number of women losing their jobs to soar. The point of the furlough scheme is a lot of people would have kicked off by now that are not doing so because they're on furlough. Buying time and it's buying acquiescence. That's the real reason for the furlough scheme. The article continues. We have to look at how the Department of Work and Pensions is gearing up for an increase of female job seekers once furlough ends and how they will find them new roles in sustainable and non-stereotypical sectors, she said. There has been a disappointing tick-box attitude to quality and no rigorous consideration of how different groups have been impacted. Well, on one level that would be true, but on another level the impact of lockdowns, as I've said before, is why lockdowns have happened. They're not a side effect. They're not government ignorance to the effect. They're not an oversight. They are the reason for lockdowns. We're looking at, at an unfolding script in which the effects on lives and livelihoods and the economy plays a fundamental part. The article continues. The research was conducted by the Global Institute for Women's Leadership at King's College London. It found that once they had been furloughed, women were disproportionately without work for longer periods. Last July, around a third of women who had been furloughed at any point during the pandemic had not worked since March, compared with 20% of men. And women who had been on furlough were more likely to fear losing their jobs and had worse projected financial security. It said the gender disparities were probably down to the long-term use of furlough in the hardest-hit sectors of the economy, in which women make up the majority of workers, such as accommodation and food services and the arts and entertainment sector. Dr. Rose Cook, senior research fellow with the Institute, said the furlough scheme has undoubtedly prevented mass job losses. However, our results suggest that in 2020, once furloughed, women were disproportionately furloughed for longer periods and had worse perceived job financial security than their male peers. This provides yet another example of why gender-sensitive policymaking is needed to prevent women losing out even further than they already have from the impacts of the pandemic, from the impacts of the government response to the pandemic that doesn't exist. And ultimately, at the core of this alleged pandemic, it's known that it doesn't exist. Baroness Faulkner, who chairs the Equality and Human Rights Commission, said this serves as another stark reminder that the COVID-19 pandemic has exacerbated long-standing inequalities, particularly for women. The cumulative impact of women being more likely to be in low-paid and insecure work, experience negative employer attitudes, occupational segregation, and taking on additional additional childcare created by the pandemic means that many women have struggled to remain in employment and will struggle to re-enter the workplace once the effects of the pandemic ease and Britain returns to business as usual. We need to see a clear commitment from government that its industrial and economic recovery strategies offer genuine tailored opportunities for women and other affected groups. But the point is, in, res in my response to that quote, is that this is not meant to end this is not something to get through. This is not something like, oh, well, next year, hopefully, everything will be back to normal. It only will be if people decide to make it so. And I'll talk more about that in a minute. There is no virus. So it's not about waiting for a virus to disappear because it doesn't exist. So this can be continued for as long as those behind the hoax want it to continue. This is one reason why it's important to understand there is no virus. Because when you know that, you know people are not sitting in their homes and wearing masks and social distancing and staying in isolation, waiting for a virus to disappear. They're doing it because the effects in terms of lives and livelihoods of doing so is the script. There's nothing to wait for. There is no virus, therefore, there is no need for any measures. 
but waiting for the virus to disappear, which doesn't exist, means that things will only get worse. They can't get better because they're not designed to. That's not the plan. There's nothing to get better because there is no virus in the first place. This will only end when we decide it ends, and if we don't decide it ends, it won't end. And there will only be ongoing impacts on people's lives, livelihoods, and the economy, because that's the plan. That's why this virus host was invented, as well as to justify the vaccine. The article continues. A Treasury spokesman said millions of jobs have been saved through the furlough scheme, jobs which otherwise would have been lost, making people unemployed. Throughout this crisis, we have done all we can to support jobs and livelihoods through our £350 billion package of support, and our self-employed and furlough schemes are among the most generous in the world. We've made sure the furlough scheme supports women's specific women's specific needs. Working parents are able to be furloughed for childcare reasons, and we've ensured women will not lose their statutory maternity pay. If furloughed, but furlough is not planned to go on forever, it's planned to end. And when it does, we'll see the impact financially of that ending, which is also part of the plan. So there is no virus, okay? So before I come back to talking about the points in that, that article, key question people ask is, so what are people dying of then? What's making people ill if there's no virus? And I see people say the virus has a 99.5.6789% survival rate. I keep seeing different levy percentages. 99.9% survival rate. No, it doesn't. It doesn't exist. It has a 100% survival rate. Because you cannot but survive something that doesn't exist. And it is not anything. There is no it. There's nothing to get. There's nothing to pass on. If I get it, there is no it. People ask, what's making people ill? People are not dying of an it. They're dying of various and many causes, just like they always have done. Someone said to me, something goes round every year. Well, when you look at the history of virology and the way virology is done, especially since 1954, you might begin to question that. But if it was a heavy flu, why then does COVID only kill people in the winter and spring? Why, when cases were through the roof in the summer, with more cases than ever before, did nobody die of COVID? How does that work with a deadly virus? Surely, with a deadly, heavy flu-like virus, but worse than the flu, when more people than ever before got it, more people than ever before should have died of it, but nobody did. Because the cases come from a test that can't test for the virus, and deaths come from people testing positive with a test that can't test for the virus, and dying within 28 to 60 days of any cause, and therefore being labelled as a COVID death. Sometimes without even a test being labelled as a COVID death, just because it's suspected that they died of COVID. Not that the test means anything anyway. And I've talked about the test in episode 76 and I talk about it in the monograph. I've also been asked, why the sudden rise in deaths in this or that age group you wouldn't expect in a normal year? Because people who are ill and need treatment for actual illnesses and conditions 
are not going to hospital because they've been told not to go and some don't want to go. Whereas in a normal year, they would have got treatment and survived. And regular treatments and appointments and consultations have been cancelled, which would have taken place in a normal year. I come back to this thing about a disproportionate response. There is no such thing as a disproportionate response to something that doesn't exist. As any response to something that doesn't exist is by definition disproportionate. Does anyone think, having achieved a proportionate response, whatever that's deemed to be, the government will just sit back and accept the people's will? The very same government which has imposed the fascism based on provable lies, even exposed in the mainstream media, the print media, and emotional and psychological manipulation. Who are we appealing to? Those that are, I'm not, but those that are, for a proportionate response to the virus. The very psychopaths and idiots, gophers, who have imposed the fascism and disproportionate response in the first place. They'll find a way to get us back to where we are now anyway, using the same techniques and methods that got us here in the first place. What disproportionate response means is A, there is a virus. And B, there should be some level of imposition to deal with the threat when any level of imposition is disproportionate by definition for something that doesn't exist. What disproportionate response also means is I, not me, but I as in an, an example of someone, I maybe can see there's probably no virus, but I don't want the backlash for saying that because I fear the consequences. So I'll go as far as saying disproportionate response, which means I'm speaking out against the government imposition, but I'm still holding the line that there is a virus. So people won't attack me for saying there is no virus. Well, fortunately, some of us don't give a shit. There is no virus. And I would suggest people, instead of just dismissing that without a first thought, never mind the second one, actually take the time to look into it for themselves. If I can, and I can establish there is no virus, then so can other people. So can the media, but they've not. They won't go near it, the media. It really does matter that we understand that there's no virus because any response to something that doesn't exist is disproportionate. This whole thing about a disproportionate response is... It's a holding position. It's a cul-de-sac. It's a game of snakes and ladders. Oh, we've achieved a proportionate response. Okay, and then, in a week, or a month, or two months, we end up back where we are now. The only thing that's going to bring this madness to an end is realising there is no virus. Because then, no response is the only response. Protests. Protests are a great way to make a statement, especially as just being at a protest during the disproportionate response. If I hear that phrase one more time, is an example of non-cooperation with the imposition. But protest is not on its own is not going to end this. What's going to end this is people refusing to comply with their own enslavement, not just in a protest, but in everyday life. People living their life as normal. That's what will bring this to an end. People say, 
when will we get our lives back? When will you, Mr. Psychopath, Mr. Idiot Gopher, give us our lives back? I'll tell you when, when we take them back. When we decide we're not going to acquiesce to the fascism any longer, the fascism cannot happen any longer. But, again, information is the answer, as from information received comes perception. From perception comes behaviour, comes action or inaction. The foundation of the hoax is the manipulation of perception, therefore a change in perception is the answer. The cult's agenda, this global elite, this global cult that I talk about, and I talk about the cult and the history of this cult, the inner core of the cult in episode 59 part 2, the cult's agenda is founded on manipulation of perception because billions of people, short of an AI connection to the human brain, cannot be controlled on mass physically. And even AI brain connection is just another method of manipulation of perception. The cult may have a pyramid hierarchy of control, corruption and manipulation. And gophers like Bill Gates, he was fundamental to this whole scam. And a pyramid hierarchy of imposition and acquiescence where the level above imposes on the level below, which then acquiesces to that imposition and then imposes on the level below that, and so on until you get to the bottom of the pyramid. But all that is useless without the manipulation of perception. It doesn't matter what hierarchy they've got. If the perception is not what they need it to be, then it's useless because people are going to act as they would without the perception that the cult needs to transform society. From information received comes perception, and from perception comes action. So to ensure people act in the desired fashion for the cult, they have to ensure people receive the right information from their perspective. And this explains the censorship through Silicon Valley. And this is, again, why it really matters that people understand there's no virus, because people would say, well, the virus just happened to break out at a time when people were used to the censorship. It's well known that social media giants censor information challenging official narratives but when you realize there is no virus then you can see that it was planned and it was planned at a time when censoring information challenging the official narrative on the covid hoax would be seen as oh they're censoring again are they rather than why are they censoring so much i've never done this before but the censorship is fundamental because ending the madness may seem an almost impossible task but the madness, the hoax, is founded on the manipulation of perception. One body of information says a deadly virus is on the loose around the world and people must obey government guidance if they want themselves and their loved ones to survive. This information leads to the perceptions and actions we've seen on display around the world since 2020. Another body of information, substantial both in volume and credibility, and increasingly reach, which is very encouraging, says either there is a virus, but it's no more troubling than the seasonal flu, or there is no virus and the pandemic is the biggest hoax in human history. This information leads to either people seeing the hoax but continuing to follow government imposition because they fear the consequences, or, in some cases, living their life as normal. And it's the latter which is going to bring this hoax to an end. The manipulation of perception through the media and government is like the key brick in a Jenga tower. Remove that and the whole thing falls apart. Another way to visualize this is to remove the foundation of the tower 
without which everything else must fall. The phrase microcosm of the macrocosm is very fitting for this situation. One person seeing the scam without fear means one person refusing to acquiesce any longer with the scam. The vast majority seeing the scam without fear means vast amounts of people refusing to acquiesce any longer with the scam. The more people who refuse to acquiesce, the even more will refuse. In my interview for Second Opinion, the first episode, as I'm sure many people listening will know, I talked to Jason Christoph, a health clinic owner and self-sabotage expert. Very interesting interview, and you can find it on Podomatic with the rest of these pay-per-view episodes. And he said in that interview, the subconscious mind through the brain constantly scans our environment and downloads images or impressions of reality, impressions of what we see, the information the brain takes in to construct our visual reality, experience of reality. And it's looking for repetition. The brain is looking for the majority in any situation, not just in terms of people, but in terms of anything. So, for example, clothing companies feature their brand logo on their clothes, like sportswear. Why do they do that? Well, they just want to put their brand on. Well, yes, at one level, yeah, but why? There's There's a deeper reason. Because advertising teams understand the psychology necessary to sell a product to the public. The more images of a certain brand logo someone's brain downloads over the course of a week or a month or however long, the more likely that someone is to buy that brand at the store. Personal style, of course, plays a role in this as well. But the point is, the image, message, belief system or behavior with the greatest level of repetition, the greatest level of downloads, repetitive downloads, will always be acted out by the vast majority of people because that's what the brain is looking for. It's a survival mechanism. The brain looks for the majority because it perceives that, it equates that with safety, a greater level of chance of survival. Likewise, when a movement of refusal to acquiesce to the fascism starts, the more that movement will take hold is the more who take part in it, the even more will take part in it. It's like, it's the same principle as why kids in school wanting to be in the popular group, the core group, because more people like them, more people want to be part of that group as well. It's the same principle. It's the brain looking for repetition for the most of whatever in any situation. And that's why the majority responded to the government imposition in the way that they did, which is just to do what government says because that's what most people did that's it's the same thing but you can look at it another way but likewise when a movement of refusal to acquiesce to the fascism starts the more that movement will take hold is the more who take part in it the even more will take part in it but it's not a movement of organizations or protests or anything physical at its core it's a movement of perception moving from one perception to another And that then plays out as physical change with people refusing to acquiesce and eventually critical mass is reached in the end of the imposition. The power is in our hands. They want to frighten us with consequences and law enforcement and authority because they know, they know the power is in our hands. They know we are more powerful than they are. And as the great quote from the Disney movie A Bug's Life goes, Those puny little ants outnumber us 100 to 1, and if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. 
And when we figure that out, there goes the way of life for everyone involved in this pandemic hoax and government imposition. The government only appeared to have power because of moronic law enforcement carrying out their will by building the very police state their own children and grandchildren are going to have to live in, and those in law enforcement are one day going to have to answer to their kids when they say, what were you doing, mummy and daddy, when this hoax was happening? And they're going to have to say, I was helping to make it happen. They have a choice now still to finish that sentence with but I eventually saw what I was doing and when I did I didn't take part in it any longer but they have to make the choice and the government also appeared to have power because the general population meekly, meekly acquiesced to the government imposition without doing any research of their own outside of the mainstream media and government statements which is the same information either way to see that there's another way to look at this situation or other ways to. Without that acquiescence, the government have no power because they only have our power, which we give away to them. When we take it back, there goes their way of life, and we need to take it back now.